to talk about faith. I title my message tonight is Life on the Edge. <laughs> Life on the Edge. You know, I, I've got a very good friend of mine back in St. Augustine, Florida, Pastor Joshua Clay. Many of you know him. And he's all about adventure and he's all about the epic life and not knowing what's coming next and the thrill. And he's a he's a thrill sticker. I don't know that he's ever actually been on an adventure. <laughs> the way he talks about it, you think he's the next Indiana Jones. <laughs> um, I'll have to actually ask him about that one. But um, but he, he loves that type of stuff. And, and really, when you come when when you come into the kingdom, you've just entered the greatest adventure of your life. Uh, because the lifestyle of believer, the, the, the lifestyle of the kingdom citizen is a life on the edge. <laughs> and when you really live that life, now you can come into the kingdom and still live according to the world. And, you know, that's your loss because God's got so much in store for his people. Um, but coming into the kingdom, and if you fully embrace the kingdom life, fully embrace what God is embarking on us, uh, you'll find out that you will live life on the edge. And the key to living life on the edge and winning and overcoming and getting to where God wants you to be is in faith. Um, And if we look at this verse here in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 6, it says, But without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. This is how important faith is to God. This is the priority that God places on faith. That if you even try to live life without faith, without utilizing faith in your life, and look, you can. I know a lot of Christians that have gotten themselves to comfortable positions that they don't really have to exercise a lot of faith. And I've seen, I've seen those believers get held back in their lives and, and not fully pursue And walk in everything that God has called for them. I know when my wife and I were moving up here, uh, you know, from St. Augustine to come up here and pastor the church. We were children's pastors in in Florida. And, um, you know, obviously the the question is, is who's going to relieve us? Who's going to take our place? And um, Pastor Earl had a conversation with an old acquaintance that he had from Bible school. And, um, you know, really had wanted them to come on board with the church in 2004 when the church was planted. And they came out and visited and didn't make the move. They lived in another state. And um, but pastor still felt in his heart, you know, I, I really want to reach out. I, I really think they'd be a good fit. So he reached out to him. Hey, we'd love for you to come. But it was going to be a faith move for them. It's going to be less pay. Uh, they had a house that was going to have to be sold. Um, and there's just the whole moving stuff and they have kids that are in high school and you're thinking about all this stuff and it was going to be a faith move and at first they were excited about it and accepted it and uh but it became more and more evident as the process went on that they're just comfortable they were on staff at a church receiving a good pay had a house that they were paying on and really had gotten themselves to a position that was so comfortable that when god wanted to call them out of that to a a move that required faith, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And this verse tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
Now, we've got to understand what faith is, and I'm not going to get into a whole, uh, you know, description and dialogue on what faith is tonight. I, I believe that we have a good grasp, but the way that I like to put it is faith is simply taking God at his word. That's what faith is. When it comes down to it, you are simply believing that what God says is true and will come to pass. When it comes down to it, you are simply just putting God to his word, holding him to his word. And to God, there is nothing more pleasing than his children, his kingdom citizens living like his word is true. I mean, you know that in your own life, you know, you don't like people doubting you. You don't like people second guessing you. You don't like people. You, you don't ever. I mean, some people might accept criticism. But one thing that most people don't want to accept is he's not a man of his word. That that hits pretty deep. And for God, he's a man of his word. And so he says, I am pleased. I am. I, I receive pleasure in your lifestyle when you live like my word is true. But here's the problem against all circumstance that nothing can change my word. See, my word is true in the good times and the bad times. My word is still steadfast and remaining no matter how good you have it, whether you got you're in the house that's paid for and you got the job that's, you know, taking care of everything or you're in a position of I don't know where we're going to I don't know how we're going to make it to this place. But God's word is true. God's word is faithful. And so a, a a pleasing comes to God when we live a life of faith to him. Everything hinges. Everything we receive from God hinges on our ability to believe his word. Everything that God is capable of doing for you is dependent Upon your ability to believe him in the process. It is dependent on your faith. It's dependent on your ability to take him at his word. Let's look at a couple of examples. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We run into a story of a man that comes to Jesus. His 12-year-old daughter is at home on her deathbed. His name is Jairus. And he says, Lord, you've got to come with me. Well, on the way to his house, he encounters a lady that has heard about Jesus. She has a, uh, a, an issue of blood that's been flowing for 12 years. And she says, if I can just touch, you know the story, the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she touches his garment. Jesus stops and says, whoa, so who touched me? And Peter says, you're crazy. Everybody's touching you. And he says, no, somebody touched me because power came out of me. And look at his response to the woman when she finally is identified. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Whose faith? Her faith. He said, your faith has made you well, it was her faith that got her healed. Did Jesus have the power? Absolutely. But look, there were a lot of people touching Jesus. And I'm sure there were a lot of people that had a lot of needs that needed what Jesus had. But only one touched 
him in faith, drew on the power, and it was her faith that made her well. Not his faith. I'm sure Jesus had faith that, look, I could go through here and I could lay hands on anybody and they'll be healed instantly because that's the power that's in me. But he's identifying it's your faith that has made you well. Go down a few more chapters. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We've got a man here earlier in this chapter. Jesus is up on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. And they're up on this mountain, and Jesus is transfigured in a, mo- in a moment. And Moses and Elijah show up, have a conversation with them. And then he's coming down from the mountain, and his disciples were down at the bottom of the mountain. And this man was bringing his demon-possessed son to his disciples. And they couldn't do anything about it. And so Jesus comes down the mountain and the man approaches Jesus and says, look, I brought my son to your disciples, but apparently they don't have the same thing you have. There's something missing here. Can you heal my son? And look at Jesus' response to him in verse 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to who? Him who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible, not to Jesus who has all the power, but to the one who taps into the power with his faith. So what we see from God, God's power and God's ability manifested in our lives and in our situations, in our circumstances, no matter how dire the situation is. We know this, if I believe, it draws on his power. If I am able to have the faith, if I can simply take him at his word, I will see God's power operate on my behalf. But it hinges on my faith. Look what the the father kept on going to say. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Sometimes we need our our unbelief needs some help. (laughs) Sometimes our unbelief needs some help. And he says here, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because I realize, I recognize, if I can just believe, all things are possible. But there's a qualifier to him who believes. And we can turn this around in Mark chapter 6. Going back a few more chapters, Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. Now, I know many of you would think going back home would be awesome, the homecoming. You know, he's going to have a high school reunion, see all his buddies and his pals that he grew up with. You know, the people that he built rocking chairs and beds and, you know, dinner tables for. But it didn't turn out that way because he was just another guy. He was just another guy to them. And in verse 5, it says here, Mark chapter 6, verse 5, Now he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, if you follow Jesus' ministry at all, you know that it was nothing for him to heal all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease, every person that was brought to him. Right? That's a regular occurrence. But here we see that he could do no mighty work except lay his hands on a few 
sick people. That's not the majority. That's like a one out of five, one out of ten. Look at verse six. And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. See, you you can make Jesus out to be this all-powerful, you know, omnipotent character that could just go around doing whatever. And if he wanted to force sickness on somebody, he couldn't. He could do it. But that's not a true statement. It hinged. It was dependent. It was determined by their belief system. So we see why faith is so important to God. We see why faith, living a life of faith, pleases God. Because He can't do anything for us unless we're in a position to believe His Word. Outside of mercy. Outside of mercy. And that happened one time. Jesus healed a man over in Matthew chapter 8. He healed a man that... uh, had been uh, laying by the pool of Bethesda for 40 years. And Jesus walks up on the scene, and there's all kinds of people here that are sick, and they're just trying to get into the water. So where's the man's belief system? Get me in the water. That's it. He saw Jesus as someone with two hands that could drag him into some water, and that was it. In fact, he's the only time recorded in the Bible that someone called him sir. He said, sir... If I could just have someone push me in the water. And Jesus healed him out of mercy because God is merciful and God is gracious. But even in that regard, there's still a responsibility on our end to develop some faith. To put ourselves in a position of faith. Now, where I want to go tonight, life on the edge. As many of us know about faith and we know about a life of faith and why it's important, but something we don't always talk about is the position of faith. Because the position of faith is a very scary place to be. It's life on the edge. It's life on the edge. Faith is always a step into the unknown. Faith is always taking steps into something that you don't know anything about. Faith is stepping out into something that is unclear, unmarked territory. It's the unknown. No one's been down this road before. And I am just to trust God. Now, God has promised that he has ordained our steps. The the steps of a righteous man are ordained. Of the Lord. So he knows your next step. The problem is we don't always know the next step. Yet we're still required to step. And the whole thing that makes it faith is the fact that you don't know. Because if you knew, it wouldn't be faith. If you stepped out into something, but you had extra backup, but faith really makes itself known, really becomes evident. When you don't know what in the world you're doing, you don't know what is the next thing is that's coming, but you realize the next step that I'm taking is faith because I'm stepping out into the unknown. And the thing that I've come to realize in my life is when I take that next step of faith into the unknown, it ends up being the next step towards my destiny. And you may not even realize it. 
You're stepping out and you're just saying, God, you have got to show up some way, somehow. And you don't even realize that by, just by taking that step, you are one step closer to what God has for you. You are one step closer. But the problem is, is that this is a very uh, scary place to be. Uh, faith is uncomfortable. Here's something we don't always talk about. Faith will make you look crazy. <laughs> faith will just make you look crazy. Anybody looking crazy right now? Do I have any crazy looking people? You're standing in faith for something and everybody around you saying, there's no way. I got two people back here. Got another one right here. Faith will put you out there for everybody to watch. Because that's how God operates. He loves to put his stuff on show. And you just get to be the one that everybody's looking at in the process. You're the one that you are. Look, here's the thing about faith. You're believing for something you don't see. You're talking about stuff you don't have, like you have it. I mean, this is faith, guys. This is what faith is all about. Faith doesn't wait. Look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I'll let you get, let you get there because we want to see it. We want to we get this in front of us. Mark chapter 11. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And we've heard this said before. That can be translated, have the God kind of faith. Have the faith of God. Do you know God has faith? <laughs> God has faith. God has faith in himself. God has faith in his own words. I mean, it takes some faith to say, let there be light and expect light out of nothing. That takes some faith. And so he's saying that same faith I operate in, you need to operate in. And Romans chapter 12 tells us that we have all been given a measure of faith. You've heard me explain it this way. My son next door, he's three years old. He has muscles. I have muscles. But I wouldn't expect him to lift an amount of weight that I would lift because his muscles have to grow and have to be developed. He has a measure of muscles, but I have grown and developed mine a little bit more. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. So I can have a different expectation of what my muscles can lift versus his. And so we've all been given a measure of faith, but the development and the growth is up to you. We don't need to say, God, give me faith. Lord, give me faith because he's already given you faith. Quit asking him for stuff he's already done for you. You don't need faith. You need faith to develop. You need faith to grow. And that comes from exercising. You've got to exercise your faith. So... He says here, have, the, have faith in God, translated, have the God kind of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. This is the equation. 
but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, watch this, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have them. So when are we supposed to believe that we've received? When we see it? No, when we pray. So here's where we get stuck. Here's where we get stuck. If you didn't have any trouble getting in faith on it, some people have trouble staying in faith on it. Because there's this time lapse. And there's no certain length of time. I wish we could say it's going to be this amount of time for this amount of money and this amount of time for this kind of job or this amount of time for this type of thing. But there isn't. But there's this time lapse between believing and seeing. When I prayed and then manifestation. And so where we get stuck is in here in between. We pray and we might believe when we pray. But then somewhere along the line, we quit believing. Why? Because the things on the outside are talking louder than the things inside the word. And that is what I call life on the edge. That's what I call the step into the unknown. Because I believe that I receive when I pray. Where is it? (laughs) That's where we get stuck. It's like, I believe I receive. I believe I received when I prayed on Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday. And we get stuck in this gap. We get stuck in this time lapse, this time period where we're not seeing what we're believing. And we can't give up. We've got to ride this thing through. We've got to learn how to live life on the edge. We've got to learn how to continue to take steps into the unknown, knowing that it will become evident in our life. So I just want to give some steps, keys to remaining in faith. We know how to get in faith. We pray and we believe that we receive when we pray. And let me just throw this out there. When you believe that you receive, what's the first thing that we're taught to do as very young kids when someone gives you something. You say, thank you. Thank you. So if you truly believe that you receive when you pray, your stance should all of a sudden become thanks. Brother Hagen said this, I never asked for something from God twice. I asked him once, and then I thank him for it until I see it manifest in my life. And how long? Till you get it. <laughs> Till you see it. People ask, that, how much longer am I supposed to believe that my wife will, you know, start loving me and start being the wife that... Just, you believe. Till you see it. Till you see it, man. How much longer do I believe for this job? I've been holding out and believing that God's going to come through. I mean, this is the job. This is it. And, and, and everything's starting to... It's crumbling around me. Keep believing. And that's where we come up with life on the edge. 
life on the edge. So I want to show you someone that lived life on the edge. And he lived life a lot longer on the edge than really anybody I've ever known in my life. And it wasn't just Monday, God told him something and then he waited Tuesday and Wednesday and and then finally by the weekend. We're going to talk about a man that waited 25 years. But Romans tells us how he walked this thing out and stayed in faith, not just got in faith. I want to get believers past getting in faith on something and remaining in faith. Because this is the one thing that I know will not change. The circumstances will get worse. Things on the outside will digress. And you've got to learn to go against the current, go against the wind, go against the challenge, face on, and say, no, I'm still staying faithful. Here's the thing about Abraham. The thing that was promised to Abraham was a son. Now, here's the funny thing about the promise that was given to Abraham. Because you might be thinking, okay, well, what challenges and what circumstances did he have that made it any worse? What is the one thing that makes it harder for you to have children over time? Time and age. So every day that Sarah's not pregnant is another slap in the face, just adding to the, uh, If I couldn't get pregnant at 75, there's no way I'm getting pregnant at 85 and 95 and 100. I mean, every day was just another, the longer we wait this thing out, the harder it becomes for the promise to come to pass. And Abraham and Sarah were beyond childbearing years when God showed up the first time. (laughs) And God says, We're going to wait this thing out another 25 years. But Abraham remained in faith. Let's read through this and then we're going to pull some points out. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of Faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith. 
he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Here's the thing that we have to understand about this time lapse. Faith is uncomfortable. But you cannot confuse comfort with peace. Even though it might be the most uncomfortable situation you've ever been in, you can still be at peace in your heart about it. Even though it might be a situation that's just pulling you from one end to the other, and there's just so much going against the promise that God has given you, you can still operate in peace in that situation. You can still have peace in your heart that it's going to come out. It's going to show up just the way that God promised. There's some things that we need to know about faith. You've got to understand that God operates in what you cannot see. And we were created in his image and in his likeness. That means how we are to operate and we're to operate like him, which means we were never designed. We were never designed to go by what we see. You are never designed to just go places that you can see in the natural. We weren't designed to live that way. It's actually against your nature that God created you to only live by what you see in the natural. It's against your nature to take a report from the doctor and live like that is more true than the word of God. It's against your nature to look at your bank account and believe that that is more true than what the Bible says about you. It's against your nature. It is inside of you. It is innate within you. And we have to exercise it. That what I see is a lie and what I cannot see is more real than what I can see. We know the Bible says that those things that are seen are temporary. That means subject to change. See, I may be sick in my body today, today, but that is subject to change. But healing is unseen. It's in the spirit realm, but it's permanent. It's more real than the sickness that's showing up in my body right now. Okay, this is how we're designed to live. Faith lets you see what others can't see. See, when you learn to tap into a life of faith, when you learn to tap into true Bible faith and believing God at his word, you will see stuff and talk about stuff and live a certain way based upon things that you cannot see or that you can see, but that people cannot see. Faith will allow you to see things that other people can't see. That's why you look so crazy. (laughs) That's why you look so crazy. 
That's why it's so uncomfortable. Because everything else around you is screaming, that can never happen. But yet faith on the inside is saying, nothing is impossible for him who believes. If I can only believe, if I can line up my faith in line with God's word, I can see this thing come to pass. You have to understand this too, that faith is where God works. God works in places that you can't see. God works in things that aren't already a certain way. If you want a miracle, you have to learn to look at stuff that you can't see. And this is kind of cool to think about. We call it a miracle, but to God, it's just nature. It's just natural to God to make things all of a sudden happen that shouldn't be happening. That's just in him. It's not a miracle to him. It's a miracle to us. It's a miracle to us. Sunday, we prayed for uh, baby Levi out in San Antonio, Texas. And I got a phone call that afternoon that the infection that was in his body that morning... Pastor Jason texted me at 8 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. I get a phone call that afternoon. Doctors are saying, we've never seen it before. It's just a miracle. Why? Because the effective prayer of a righteous man makes much power available, dynamic, and it's working. And did we pray? Did we touch and agree? Absolutely. Every person that came down here can stand in agreement that the faith that was applied, I believe that I received when I prayed. The doctors call it a miracle. We just call it God. And if you want to see a miracle, you've got to learn to start looking at stuff that you can't see. People that are moved by what they see and only live according to what they see, they don't get miracles. You just don't. You have to be set up. There is an atmosphere for miracles. There's an expectation. That's why I had them come down. And I don't do that every service. But what did I say? There is an anointing for healing here this morning if you're sick in your body. Why? Because an atmosphere has just been charged by the presence of God praying over a baby that's thousands of miles away. If they can happen for them, it can sure happen right here. And it put people in a posture of faith. It put people in a position to believe whatever miracle I need, I can see it come to pass. And I'm going to look at what I don't see, not what I currently see. Faith, or God works in faith. That's where he works. That's where he operates. Never let what your eyes see determine what your heart believes. Never let what your eyes see determine what your heart believes. Jimmy, it's probably around verse 20, maybe 19, where it says, and not being weak in faith. 
not being weak in faith. What does that say? He did not consider. That means to gaze upon, focus, give attention to. Doesn't mean he was ignorant of the fact that he's past childbearing years. He just didn't consider the fact that it's impossible to bear children this far down the road. He didn't consider it. He didn't give attention to it. Nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't even just have faith for himself. He had faith for his wife. Because he's in covenant. Did not consider. Did not consider, I'm a hundred years old. Did not consider, she's never had children, much less at this age. I mean, not only was she past childbearing years, she was never able to bear children. I mean, it's like a double whammy. Like, even if you could have children this far down the road, you can't because you just don't have kids. And he didn't consider it. He didn't give attention to it. He didn't gaze upon it. He didn't give it his focus. So don't let what your eyes see determine what your heart believes. I said this a second ago. You were designed to go where you cannot see. You realize that. We were designed to live in stuff that we cannot see. We were designed to live this epic, adventurous life on the edge. You were designed to live a life of taking steps into the unknown, knowing that one day I'm going to reach my destiny. One day I'm going to reach my purpose. One day I'm going to achieve that which God promised me. Next thing it says. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. You realize that unbelief is just faith in something else. Unbelief is just putting more faith in the natural circumstance than it is. You, you believe that what I see in the natural is too hard, too difficult, too big for God to fix. So you're just putting it's misapplied faith is what doubt is. It's what unbelief is. That's why Mark said, Mark chapter 11, believe in your heart and do not doubt, but say with your mouth in line. Why? Because that doubt will divert your faith to another area. There are people that have more faith in the doctor than they do God. More faith in the pill than they do God. More faith in the bank than they do God. More faith in the loan than they do God. More faith in the job than they do God. And all of that stuff was designed to fail. None of it was designed to carry your load. That's what I tell people. You're, you're putting a, it, it's not that it's wrong to take a pill. It's not wrong to go to a doctor. It's not wrong to go to a bank. Those are resources that God loves to use. God will use them. But sometimes he just wants to show himself faithful without all that stuff. And he can. But what's happened is like what we talked about, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, do you, have, do you have more trust in the resource than the source? God loves resources, but it never should take away from the source. Where's our faith at? What do we truly believe? And so 
we see here he says that uh, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Strengthened in faith. You have to grow your faith in the process. Here's the thing. This is exciting because sometimes when we think about this faith walk and this life of faith, sometimes we picture it as right before we run out of faith. I'm I'm emptying the tank on all the faith that I have. And right before I run out, God shows up. And man, I was I was on E. I was about to run dry. I didn't I didn't know if I could go on anymore. But that's not what this verse says. It says he was strengthened in faith. Abraham was more convinced at 100 that God was going to come through than he was at 75. You see that? It doesn't say he was weakened in faith, that he used up so much faith that it ran him dry, and then God finally showed up right before he ran out of faith. It says he was strengthened. That means he got stronger through the process. That means he could have gone another 25 years if he had to. When you truly live a life of faith, you will believe God even more at the end of the process than you did at the beginning. We got to get rid of this picture of I've got faith and then if I have enough of it, it'll run me the course. No, you start with faith. And at the end. You can end up with more faith than you had at the beginning. Isn't that amazing? That when it happens, it almost doesn't even seem like you were that. It's not even that exciting because you're like, I knew it was going to happen. What's the big deal? I knew God was going to come through. Whereas in the beginning of it, you're like, man, God's going to come through. We're going to get this. We're going to get this loan. We're going to get this money. We're going to get this job. Uh, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And you're all excited. And then, boom, if God does, it's like, man. But at the end of it, you could be in such a position of, yeah, what's the big deal? You got, you got the job? Yeah. I, I have faith. Because my faith was strengthened, not weakened in the process. And then lastly, we see here keys to remaining in faith. It says here that he gave God glory. Giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. This is one that we forget sometimes. To give God the glory. Don't act like you did it on your own. After you just went through the whole faith process and God showed up, you make sure he gets the credit. You make sure he, I guess my interview went really good. No, how about you had favor from God that you just got a job that you shouldn't have had. You weren't qualified for, but he just showed up on your behalf. Giving glory to God. And it doesn't say he gave glory to God. Says giving. Through the process, he gets the glory. Don't wait for him to do it before you glorify him. Don't wait for him to do it before you tell people what God did. You tell them what God did before it even shows up. Well, Pastor Mark, that's crazy. That's life on the edge. Welcome to the kingdom life. 
welcome to heaven on earth. To taking stuff that you can't see and moving it into a place where you can see it. Faith doesn't create anything. It moves stuff. You don't need God to create your healing. It's already there. You just need to transfer it from one realm to another. Faith is a transportation vehicle. God throws healing inside the car and sends it on and gets it to you. And it can go through time, go through realms, go across states. We can pray for healing here and it can be transported there. Doesn't matter. There's no limit to it. Faith will move it. Faith will put it in your hands. This is the life of faith. And this is the life that pleases God. The, the more on edge that we are, the, 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 the closer that we get to the edge. Uh, look, God wants you to live a life of, God, if you don't show up, this isn't happening. That's God as first priority, not last resort. That's God as the only hope. Wait, they said here, Abraham, against hope, in hope. That means even when there was no hope to be had, he still remained in a position of hope. When all odds were against him. And look, I hope none of us have to wait 25 years to see the promises of God. But if we did, we could be strengthened through the process. Could be strengthened through the process. And this wasn't the last time Abraham's faith was tested. You would think after something like this, God would just leave him alone. Abraham did. Because when he came and said, all right, now offer up your son Isaac as a burnt offering. Abraham said, are you kidding me? Have I not shown you enough? What's the matter with you? What do you want from me? Is basically what his position. What, what do you want? Did I not... I stood 25 years believing for a child that I was not supposed to have. And now you want that child? But what? Because his faith was tested, his faith was strengthened, he could take on the next one. And it still required faith. You'll never be rid of a position of faith. You will never get to a point in your life where it's so comfortable and so glossed over. Because he's only going to ask for more. He's only going to ask for more. And he's only going to ask for what he knows you have. He's not going to ask for more than what you have. He is able to pull on Abraham to offer up his son as a living sacrifice. Because he proved to be faithful in the past. So just know it's inevitable. For the rest of my life, I'm going to be in a position of faith. Look at all these rich Christians. You know what? If they're truly living a life of faith, then God's asking them for a lot of that. Well, he's a millionaire. Well, then God's asking for millions. Because God's laying on him. Now I need you to write a check for $100,000. And see, you thought you wanted to be you thought, you know, God, I want the six-digit income. That's the salary I want. 
I want to be taken care of. And he says, I will. But when I need the hundred thousand, you better be willing to give it up because you're never going to be free from a position of faith. But just like I got you the hundred thousand, I can get you the five hundred thousand. It's a life of faith. It's life on the edge. It's this adventure that we live and it pleases God without faith. It's impossible. If you ever stop operating in faith, you quit pleasing God. Is that important to him? That valuable to him? Father, we thank you tonight. To each of us, you've given a measure of faith. And and Father, we know to be in faith, be moved by faith, live by faith, believe in faith, speak in faith. We, We know these, Father, but... We want to be a people that remain steadfast in faith. We don't want to quit right before we see it. We don't want to give up and move out of faith, but we want to remain in a posture of faith. Remain in a posture of believing you against all odds. As the situation gets worse, our faith only gets stronger. Father, we want to be a people just like Abraham that we are steadfast in our faith, immovable, unshakable. We position ourselves to look crazy, to look stupid, to be uncomfortable, but to know that we're at peace because our faith in you cannot be shaken. Father, we thank you for this tonight. We thank you for this life of faith. I thank you that you're stretching us, drawing us, moving us into a greater level of faith with you. We thank you for this word tonight. We thank you for the application of it, the understanding of it. In Jesus' name, amen.